it's your boy John Mike. Welcome to the Musician Mondays podcast, hosted by your boy John Mike, where we do interviews and we hit those relevant topics for musicians and producers. The Musician Mondays podcast, season two, starts now. What up with you guys? You know who it is. It's your boy, John Mike, and I'm back again on Musician Mondays. Uh, You know what we do uh, on this. You know how I always say Friday through Sunday is the week begin for us as creatives, as musicians, as producers, because that's when we try to get it in. Concerts, uh, gigs, uh, church, rehearsals. You know, that's when our week really begins. And Monday is really our weekend. It's when it ends for us. So you're probably cooling uh, down from the weekend. Hopefully you didn't get in too much trouble. Uh, You didn't make anybody mad or upset. uh, And you're ready to start your week out. So I'm here today with a man that needs no introduction, but I'm gonna introduce him anyway. Uh, None other than Paris Bowens. I wish I had some, I'm gonna put some kind of sound effect. I need some kind of sound (laughs) effect. This is, we're not worthy. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so uh, I'm here with this guy, man. We've been doing some uh, some serious work uh, today. Um, uh, He's down here for 24 hours, so we crammed in as much as we could while I got him here. Uh, so we've been literally working, 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 working. But um, now we get the time to take a break and just kind of chop it up and really um, talk about some stuff. So Paris, for those who have just been living up under a rock uh, and just in for the last like two decades and just don't know who you are, give the folks uh, a proper introduction as to you know who you are and what you do. Um, well, I am... The tiny spicy chicken. <laughs> I've changed my name. Um, That's funny. Um, basically, um, <coughs> excuse me. Go ahead. Um, pastor's son, born and raised Philadelphia. Um, grew up in, grew up in ministry. West Philadelphia, yep. born and in raised in North Philadelphia. I'll get in trouble. Anybody <laughs> knew where I'm from? They'd be like, "You ain't from West Philly." But um, yeah, um, grew up in Hunting Park and uh, family of five. Well, five kids, seven, wow. seven household family. And um, very musical household. Mom and mom is a songwriter, singer. Dad's a musician, multi instrumentalist. And then every last one of us in my family musically does something. So, yeah. um, got my start in Philly. Um, and um, my first major uh, uh, job or gig was with Ty Tribbett. Uh-huh. And Sound straight, straight out of high school, yeah, like '98, straight out of high school. I think I worked one real job. Wow. One real no two within a span of six months. Jeez. Um, I was working at a farm. I worked at a retirement home serving culinary. I was serving breakfast. And <laughs> it was so long ago. I mean, literally, it was it was a blur. It literally didn't last long. Wow. Then got promoted and got a job at a pharmacy and was a pharmacy tech. And they wanted to send me to school to to, to become a pharmacist because I was so I was so focused. Wow. And it was just like what kept me focused was listening to the music playing, the elevator music playing in the background. <laughs> Just imagine getting to rehearsal that night or playing the gig. So um, I happened to be playing at a joy night at my friend Ryan Bussey's church with a group, John Payton and Holiness. And Ty Trippett happened to be there. Wow. He, while I'm playing, he comes and stands and is like watching me, the whole group. And it almost seemed like it was history from there. We connected. And uh, not too long after that, I was playing with him. And... Through him, it just I just got exposed to everything and everybody. Like it was a whole other world that I didn't know existed. Yeah. Um, 
I only knew my dad's church. I only knew Philly. You know, I had never really been outside of Philly or nothing like that. Wow. So as soon as I got with Ty, I immediately, um, I think my first engagement with him was in Connecticut for a youthful praise event. Really? Youthful praise. This is when- um, Was this before? This was pre-JJ? Oh, yeah. This was- uh, this is when Sean was alive. God bless his soul. Yeah. Um, Sean and JJ was together, um, but it was um, it was youthful praise. James Hall and Ty on the bill, and um, so I get to meet Melvin Crispel, John Peters, Reggie Young, Jeez. Eddie, uh, you know Eddie Hayward, in one night. And he's like what eighteen? I was eighteen. Wow. So I was I I met them. Um, I never forget it. Uh, I never been to Connecticut before and. Um, you for praise. That's when they were doing God as an awesome God. Do, 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 yeah. They, yo, they had they, yo, you for praise always had a squad. You for praise was always smacking, and of course James Hall. Oh uh, yeah, no interest. No, to hear no, Melvin no. And, and and John Peters, this, it was a master class in itself. Jesus. Um, Reggie Young, come Jesus. on, man, like they were. So that was my first time playing with him, and then um, not long after that, we just. We take a take, take you know we, we go up and down the East Coast, New York, uh-huh. Connecticut, Baltimore, Virginia, DC, uh-huh. um, and I began begin to get exposed. Um, GA and Soundtrack started really building something, um, and we had started working with James Poiser. Okay. He became our producer. He really brought us um, into, under his wings, and we, we started working at Access Studios. I'm um, on Seventh and Collar Hill in Philly, and. It, we was working on we was working on the life album for quite some time, yeah. Um, and in the process of that, you know, the whole Philly Neil Soul thing was happening. So you had Music Soul Child, Jill uh-huh. Scott, uh-huh. Flowetry, Eric uh-huh. Robinson, Vivian Green, Bilal, Glenn Lewis. All these all these artists was popping up, and there was an event that we would do on um, and um, on Tuesday nights, and it was called um, the five the five spot at Black Lily. Okay, and basically. It was an event that was hosted by the Roots. Like they kind of was the sponsors of the event, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, every Tuesday night, and basically, I think. Hold on, excuse me. That light's blinking. Oh, it does. That. It's supposed to do that. Okay, cool. Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> so every Tuesday night, there was everybody in the city who you know was old enough to come. You had to be twenty one or over to get in there. But mm-hmm. musicians, made, I was eighteen, nineteen. Um, we would make our way to the five spot and. You can get on this floor tree. Be would be up there singing. Jill Scott could be up there. Jazzy Fat wow. Nasties, Lady Alma. You know, that's, uh, that's I remember Jasmine Sullivan. She was super young, was singing. Um, and we would just get on them. They would let like they had basically two entrances. You had the main entrance, and of course at that entrance you're getting carded. Okay. And the back entrance it was the, the led directly to the stage. So they would let the musicians come mm-hmm. up that step. Mm-hmm. Get on stage, you could play, and then you had to leave right back out. You couldn't wow. hang out because of the bar and all of that. Yeah. So that was one of my first early experiences playing on that scene. And then, of course, out of the same studio that we were working at, Larry Gould's. Well, Larry Gould, on, in the same building, 7th and Collin Hill, Larry Gould owned the studio. Uh-huh. We would be at James Porzer's studio in the back. And you can walk out front to the main studio where Larry Gould's studio was. Gerald Levert would be sitting in there, you know, late the late great Gerald Levert, and he was a big brother to me, man. He um, he met me. I would be just hanging out in the lobby, sitting down playing video games or something, and Gerald Levert would come walking in. He's a very um, he's extremely um. He's a very he's a people person. Yeah, 
very, very, you know, he he don't, he's not shy. The guy is very, Extrovert. he's funny as Jax. Um, he, 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 he cuts like a sailor. So he would see me like, what up, little mother? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I love that dude, man. I genuinely did, man. That was my guy. And he was like, what do you do, man? And I'll tell him, you know, I play keyboard, but for real. Come in here and play on something. So wow. I ended up playing on one of his records. I don't say which one because I always tell my mom. My mom probably be a little ashamed. The record I played on, but you know, hey, it, it happened. I got to work with the late great Jerry Levert. There you go. Um, met a lot of people that way: Macy Gray, Stanley Clark, Jesus. Nick Lachey. They will all be. Just, I'm like, what is this place that these famous people are walking in this studio? I never knew that world existed, yeah. and I always used to wonder why paparazzi is not on Seventh and Collar Hill. Right. Because at any given moment, anybody famous. And if you look in that building, there's so many plaques on the walls from so many. I'm like, they were here Jesus. and got records. So it was like, it was a, it was a, um, it was an eye opening experience for me to be at that studio. So yeah, I ended up playing on so many records because the people would just pull me in because I was sitting in the lobby. Mm-hmm. Many records I didn't get paid for because I didn't know what I was doing. I was yeah. just excited about the opportunity to be in the studio. Yeah, and just. I was, you know, I found out that I was there. If I could be around any instruments, a studio, be around a mixing board, I was excited to be there. So um, one great experience that it was one major um, thing happened. So like 2003, Uh 2002 probably, I'm thinking, um, the whole Neo Soul thing really like brought a lot of attention to Philly. And so artists was trying to come to Philly to get the sound because all these producers you got Andre. You got you got Jazzy Jeff Studio. He had Touch of Jazz, uh-huh. which was six producers um, that were partnered and paired up. Paired up. You had Dre and Vidal. You had Ivan and Carvin. You had Keith and Darren. And these dudes pretty much was that Touch of Jazz crew. That you had then you had down the street. You had Axis, which was James Poiser Studio. And then in his studio, he was developing his own producers as well. Wow. Yeah, Quest Love and the Roots there. And then you had Larry Gold's spot right there. And then you can go down a couple blocks in Sigma Studios. So it was this community. So anytime an artist would come in the city or anywhere, they would kind of pass through all of these studios to get records. Um, so you, just, you know, Bilal would be recording. Um, Jill was recording. She was she had already recorded her record uh-huh. by the time I started coming around. Music had already recorded his first record. He was the first guy I actually, the first R and B artist I've ever played with. Um, and I met Music So Child years ago in high school. Wow. Um, because he knew a, a, a mutual friend of mine. He was actually older than us, but he used to hang around, you know, and you come out after school and he would be outside waiting for my friend Charnay or something, you know, and then we would all walk with him to South Street and go hang out on South Street. And he, you know, he, he would introduce himself as music. You know, me, I was a visual arts major in right. my school, but I'm like, I don't, I'm a musician on the weekend. So I'm like, your name music. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm used to social. So I'm like, so do you, what you play like everything? Right. Like, no, I, I sing. I'm like, you can't call yourself music if you just sing. You know what I mean? And so that was my experience. When I met him, we'd be, we'd be hanging out, just walking down South Street. I was like, how are you going to be music? You, you need to be like Prince if you, if you if you do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was my first time meeting him and hanging with him. And then you fast forward all these years later, and a friend of mine's Eric Robeson's dope soul artist um, out of Philly, right for everybody. He put me on. He taught me so much. Eric Robeson... Um, Wrote for music as well, um, but through him and and Andre Harris, I knew Andre Harris from church, for Memorial, all of that. Uh-huh. Andre was like, "Yo, we we got a new, it's a new artist. He needs a band. Um, he got a single that just came out. So I never forget. I go to RPM Studios down Columbus Boulevard, 
and it's a rehearsal hall and I have to meet the artist and I'm walking into this rehearsal hall and I see music. Like, dude, what you doing here? I'm thinking, I'm not thinking about him in terms of the artist. I'm thinking yeah. about him from high school. Yeah. Like, I ain't seen you in three, three, four years. And he like, yo, I'm here. I got to meet this musician. And I'm like, oh yeah, I got to meet this artist. And we walk. And we walk in the same room and I'm literally meeting him. <laughs> the guy funny. who I was like kind of low-key clowning when I first met him. Like, right. I'm I'm here to play for you, basically. And so my first R and B gig was with, with the guy I was kind of playing, you know, laughing about at, in high school. Funny. And the funny, the 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 funniest thing about that gig was I had started rehearsals with music. This is his first album. Dum, 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 dum. But he had some hits on that record, Love oh, and yeah. One Four Three, and the whole the, that album was just incredible, top to bottom. Yeah. But I was a church boy uh-huh. first, you know. Uh-huh. I always was told you won't, you don't do R and B, you don't do secular. Uh-huh. It's just like it's so. We are rehearsing for months, yeah, getting ready for a tour with it with him, and I literally quit because I was so convicted, <laughs> like. <laughs> I'm gonna go to hell for playing this music. I just was afraid to go on the road, and I literally like quit the tour. Yo, wow. it had to be like maybe a week or some change before the tour started. We had been rehearsing all this time. It was me, Eric Tribbett, and Ben Kenny. It was a three-piece band and DJ Active. Um, and I literally was scared, just spiritually scared. And I'm like, Wow, I can't do it. So I walked away from the tour. And I mean, granted, a decision like that could really destroy your career. Ain't nobody oh, yeah. gonna hire you ever again, you know. Mm-hmm. But it didn't. Um, I ended up getting in, um, getting pretty close to Ivan Barrios, who was one of the Touch Jazz producers. Okay, he became a big brother to me. I happened to meet him at Larry Gold Studio, sitting in the lobby, just like I met Gerald Levert. And Ivan found out that I played. So and we, he invited just, we just need to like so so to really launch our careers. As musicians and producers, we just need to go like start sitting in lobbies. That's the that's just the key. go sit. Just it's find, called do the sit in. You do a sit in. Do a sit in. Um, just go find a lobby. The it, but the chair the, the chair has to be burgundy. Okay, find because it was burgundy a burgundy chair, chair in a lobby. So that's the key. And just sit there and wait for yeah. somebody famous Play, to I was walk. Playing, I was playing Dreamcast. Okay, Dreamcast. I, playing, yeah, I remember that game, the Dreamcast right. back in the day. Dream, Crazy Taxi, if y'all remember that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crash Bandicoot and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we used to do, yeah. But get you an Xbox One, yep. go sit in somebody's sit lobby, lobby in a burgundy, burgundy chair and just wait for and the wait, gig to find wait. you. That's and I mean, what, what, what part of what I would do also, um, Larry Go had three rooms back then. Well, when I first started, he didn't have three rooms. He was building his third room. But he had um the A room was a pretty dope big big room XSL mixed board you know the whole night you walk into the live room it has a huge a beautiful uh, grand uh, piano sitting there and you got these different booths and rooms one for the drums the Hammond is in another mm-hmm. then you got the big live room so I never seen nothing like that before um clearly it's a multi, it's a million dollar room yeah and um so the, the piano was so amazing when nobody was in there recording I would just go in there and shed mm-hmm. so some people would actually hear me shed and play like. Come play on this record. And so um, when I met Ivan, Ivan met me in that studio and hey, yo, come come play on it, come come play on this record. And he was working out of the you had the A room, the B room, and you had the J room. He's working out that middle. C D E Right. It, it weird. It, none of those other numbers. It was just a J. It was weird. Right. So the J the, the, the B room was like the a smaller uh production room. Okay. Um still had the old tape machines and all that stuff. Nice. And um Real intimate room, and I went in there with Ivan, and um, on music's second second album, um, we worked on music's second project, um, and I ended up playing uh, "Don't Change," wow, which was yeah. a big single. 
um, I don't love you if your hair turns gray. Yeah, and I'm dating joke. my wife at the time. And that was a song that I dedicated. That's our song. We did, I dedicated wow. that song to her. But I'm playing Rudes, and you hear me, Rudes and Worldless are on that record. Wow. Um, and then I did some up, uh, Stop Playing on that record. And then there was another song we did the remake of uh, George, um, what's his name from the Beatles? Um, George. Yeah, I, I'm I messing it up. Please forgive me. It's like but he it's had a song day. called Something and Something in a Way. She mm-hmm. Moves. We did that. I remember that. Yeah. <clears throat> so I started working with Ivan a lot. We just had a good relationship. He was just my big brother. And he always, Diddy, what up? And he would just call me and we would just, and he would always call me up and come, you know. So when they built their own studio eventually, um, I ended up kind of working with them a lot and did, did some different records with them. And he taught me production. He taught me logic. He taught me the music business. Jeez. You know, this is what you get paid when you do it. So all this time before that, I wasn't getting paid for stuff. Now, Gerald LeVert paid me. Okay. But a lot of other people, sometimes I would just go walk in because I just was hyped. Yeah. Now, I'm sure some of them people didn't know I wasn't doing paperwork. They were just like, all right, cool. Yeah. Finish playing it and there. walk away. Yeah, they probably didn't think nothing about it. Yeah. Um, but Ivan was like, yo, where's your paperwork? Did you, you know what you're doing? You supposed to be. So he really broke the business down to me. And Ivan was a major mentor to me. Um, and so moving on from there, I didn't, you know, uh, GA was still in the process. We would still be doing our gigs on the weekends and doing things like that. But, you know, you had Thaddeus, who back then we called Terry, mm. Tribbett. Mm. Um, he was playing with Jill Scott from her first record. So after her first record, she had Derek Hodge playing. And I think Derek Hodge got Thaddeus on that gig. So we saw, everybody saw Thaddeus playing with Jill. And she was hot when Jill came mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. She had one of the dopest shows. Her band was not, was amazing. That band was my, that was one of my favorite bands um, back in that time. They kind of had a, they set the bar. Mm-hmm. She had Eric Tribbett drums, Daddy's Tribbett on bass, Pete Kuzmo on keys, wow. Jeff Brab, Shaw, trombone, Matt Cappy, trumpet, Carol Riddick, background, nice. Vivian Green was singing background. Jersey Mason was on percussion. Wow. They had a squad. And they set such a bar with the bands in, in Philly. Mm-hmm. So everybody wanted to get on a Neo Soul gig. Yeah. So, of course, I blew it with the music Soul Child gig. Mm-hmm. But I started traveling with Eric Robeson. That's doing a lot of dates and gigs with him. And Eric was another guy who who literally taught me the business. He started, he had a studio in Rahway, New Jersey called The Blue Room. In his house, that thing was amazing. And that dude had a wall of records and CDs. He had just had a catalog of music. He taught me how to use the MPC. He taught me how to use a VS-1680 mm-hmm. back in the day. Oh, yeah, um, that was a John. Yeah. Like I learned, so I learned how to cut records and he gave me my first production credit. Um, wow. Doing on his his esoteric album, I did my first production credit. Like I produced two songs on that record, and Eric just gave me a chance and just taught me everything, and I learned a lot from him um, in those days. But the, I, I I I I went back, but I, but one of the biggest experiences that happened for me because of the whole bl- uh, blow up of Neo Soul, uh-huh. people were coming to the city, and they would come to the city to either get the producers, you know, get the musicians, yeah. Or Larry Gold, who was a string arranger. This is okay. old, old Jewish uh, white guy. He was an amazing string arranger. Wow. He has history. He came from the Gamble and Huff days. Wow. So he builds this studio called The Studio. And he mainly uses it to be a string <laughs> orchestrator, the uh, a conductor. And he, I, God gave me favor with him, man. Like, I met Larry Gold. And it's funny because you got this little black kid. When you would come to this building, you would go to the third floor. Mm-hmm. And you walk down a hall and come. And then you would see this big door. And there's a buzzer, and you have to push the buzzer. And, um, you know, like, I forget when the first time somebody invited me to the studio, I went and pushed the buzzer, and I'm like, 
it beeps and you'd be like, hello, who is, who is it in the studio? I was like, um, Paris. I'm like, these people don't know me. You know, it wasn't like what you here for, nothing. Right. All I just remember hearing was, buzz. <laughs> Opens up, I go in. Don't know nobody in there, but I'm in there hanging out. And um, that I met him, Larry Gold. And he's the owner of the place. Hey, how you doing, man? And you just, okay, okay. What do you do? You play? Okay, I love to hear you play sometime. And wow. Get on the piano in his studio and he'd hear me. And for some reason, God gave me favor with him. And he would always allow me to just be around. Wow. And so what happens is Justin Timberlake, remember, NSYNC was huge coming uh-huh. out of the, in the 90s. Uh-huh. Justin Timberlake took a break from NSYNC and wanted to start his solo career. So who did he go to to get to start his solo career? Timberland and yep. Neptunes. Okay. They were the two yep. hottest at the time. Yeah. So Timberland comes to the city on Justin's first record to get Larry Gold to do strings on on one of Justin's biggest records, Cry Me a River. Yeah. So he comes to get the strings done from Larry, and I need he needs some more. I want a choir. Who do they call? Ty Trippett and GA. So Ty Trippett and GA is in the studio cutting vocals. My wife is one of the singers, so I knew the whole, you know, even if I wasn't invited, the band wasn't necessarily invited, but but I remember Thaddeus ended up playing bass on that record on Cry Me a River. So when you hear that bass, it's Terry Tribbett, Thaddeus Tribbett playing bass. Wow. I didn't get invited to the party on that one. The choir, Thaddeus, you know. I remember I was home in my apartment and I just get a phone call from Larry Gold. Hey Paris, get your A down here. I'm like, what, what's up? Timberland's here and he needs somebody to play keys. He said, Omar's not here, he's out of town. Omar is your is, is your usual, like Omar got in with the roots. My boy Omar, yeah. Omar Edwards, incredible, okay. one of mm-hmm. my favorite musicians. Um, MDs for everybody. Um, Omar was usually the go-to guy. Like, you gonna get a session done, you got Omar, you got June. Okay. James Poiser. I'm the baby brother out of the crew. So Omar happened to not be in town. I think he might have been out with the Roots. And Timbaland needed somebody to play keys on the record. So he got, you know, so he says, Paris, get your head down here. Timbaland needs somebody to play. I'm like, Timbaland? I jumped yeah. on the first bus. Right. Got down. I don't know how. I, I got there walked. fast. <laughs> I got there fast. I walked in the A room, their big room. And there's an entourage of people in their room, you know. Them producers back in the day, it was always people that didn't have no purpose just being in the room. So some right. of it was GA, you know, some of it was Ty, and, but it was Timbaland in the middle. So I remember walking in the room and Larry's like, you do your thing, man. KK, you know, all of that. So I'm like, shoot, the pressure's <laughs> high. Timbaland is one of my favorite producers ever. Ever. So I'm walking in the room and I'm about to meet my hero. Uh, I walk in and it's an entourage of people sitting there. And I just see Timbaland sitting on the couch and Larry's introducing me. Here's the young fellow. He's a monster. He's amazing. You're gonna love him. <laughs> and I'm like, thanks. I'm 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 very shy. Thanks for the. And Timlin is just kind of sizing me up. Like I'm yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah. And he like, yeah. Ain't nobody better than Devonte. Kind of wow. like gave me one of those. I was like, what you mean? So I'm like thinking, Jodeci Devonte. I was like, now don't get it twisted. I'm a huge fan of Jodeci. They was amazing. That that they they was incredible. But I'm like, nobody really. They weren't really doing that. Yeah, yeah, time. yeah. So I'm yeah. like. It's been a lot more keyboard players out there right? since since then. Right. And no, you know, no shade by no means. I mean, yeah. that dude set the bar. Uh-huh. So he kind of gave me that shade. Yeah. Like, yeah, ain't nobody really seen Devontae. So I don't expect you to really do anything. You know, you're a church player, that whole thing. So wow. he he had them set up this 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 clavinet, this clavinet on the side on the on the wall on the other side of the room. Okay. And he put a wow wow pedal down. And his engineer, y'all don't know the legendary Jimmy Douglas, mm. um, was was uh, engineering the session. Sheesh. Big black man with big dreads. He's legendary. Yeah. Um, 
They set up the they set up the clavinet, which I've never played ever in my life. I played clavinet sounds on keyboards, but I never played the real like thing. Like the real thing. So he sets a wah wah pedal up, and then he turns on a Timbaland beat in the most epic fashion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> heavy, yeah. heavy kicks like layered, <laughs> and it's just the percussion is going, <laughs> and you just like he turned the track on, and I'm like the pressure is on. Right. So the beat is going. And Timbaland pretty much just go, you know, go play. So I walk over. So if you imagine this is the the room, this is the SSL board engineer. Timbaland is on the couch here. There's a bunch of people sitting around. The clavinet is on the wall. Mm-hmm. So when I walk across, I walk from the door across the room, and my back is to everybody. So I'm having a conversation with myself. Paris, mm-hmm. dog. Like don't, don't don't do at that time. Don't mess this. Church up. musicians play too much. We just play too much. We just overplayed everything. Mm-hmm. Over jazz, overplayed, overcorded everything. I'm like, it's a clavinet. Number one, I never played one. I never touched one before. He turns the track on and it's in red. Yeah. And he's expecting me to play, and so I go over there and I'm talking to myself, don't you don't you mess this up? Just find a pattern and stay with it. So I found like the track is going. So mm-hmm. I find a pattern with that clavinet. I start doing a percussion thing, but yeah. found some kind of pat- pattern, melody, and I just I'm 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 performing. I got my yeah. I was like Paris, feel it, feel it, dude. You know, I'm just talking to myself the whole way through. <laughs> you know, when I felt the B section kind of come up in the track, I came up with a B section. Okay, yeah. And you know, in hip hop, in those kind of beats, you don't do a lot. It ain't yeah. too much. So, track went off, and I'm sweating. Right. So I turn around. The room is quiet, and I look at Timberland, and he like whoever was sitting right next to him. He's like, move, move, move. And he, he was like, yo, come here, man. His spirit just changed. He was like, yo. He put his arm around me. Yo, how long you been playing? I'm wow. Like, I've been playing since I was 11. Just kind of go to my story. Yeah. Grew up in church. And yeah. I'm like, he just favor. He just took a liking to me and his favor. And so I'm like, all I'm thinking of in my mind is, how did the track sound? Right. How did it come out? And I was like, was the track cool? He's like, oh, man. He said, you killed it. He said, I got some more for you. And from that moment on, Anytime Timberland came to the city, he called me. Jeez. So what happened was, I don't even remember who that record was for. It might have been Bubba Sparks. But I thought I was going to be on a Justin Timberland record, and I didn't make it on a Justin. Okay. I made it on Bubba. And then he would come back, and we did, like, I played on, like, seven, eight records on Jeez. Bubba Sparks' record. Then he then he started coming to New York, the Manhattan Center in New York. And if he was he was like, yo, I'm only two hours away. You want to come up to New York? Get on the train. Come up to New York. I'll go to New York. Go to the Manhattan Center with him. We start working on Brandy's Aphrodisiac record. And so I ended up doing a couple of records on that with her with him. And then he wanted to, to do a deal with me at, at some point. But again, I was still a part of GA. That was my, yeah. my best friends. And we like, we're building something. Now, we got signed to Sony. Okay. And yeah, how we got signed that. was I'm like, it didn't, it was not a normal thing. Like, we were playing with now we were working with James Poiser. We were we were we were signed to James Poiser. Okay. Axis Studios and him and his partner Chauncey Childs, but we were doing Vivian Green. Vivian Green was one of their artists mm. that she used to sing background with Jill. Okay, that's how we all knew each other. I yeah, did Viv. So when it came time for her to do her showcase mm-hmm. for Columbia for Sony, mm-hmm. we were the band: me, Ty, Spent, uh, Fad, I think Bananas as well. So we went to we went to Electric Lady Studios in New York, Jimi Hendrix Studio. That went that studio's a beast, and we did her showcase. Um. For like the top Sony guys, like whoever the whoever the main people were at that time, they mm-hmm. were there. Just suits. And so we're playing. And now if you know anything about Ty GA soundcheck, animated when we play. Mm-hmm. We like bunnies. Like everything yeah. is a, a hop, a dance, your head yeah. is bopping. 
And Viv is a very sultry, soulful singer, you know. So you see somebody who's singing, you know, mm-hmm. she's doing her thing. And we up there like, we over there going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the, the the executives were looking at us. Yeah. They looking over there. So they're looking at her and they're looking at us like, so when it's all over, you know, and I'm paraphrasing because I, I, you know, details. That's a lot of story. Man. But basically, they like, they like, do y'all guys like her? They was like, yeah, she's amazing. We want her. Mm-hmm. They was like, but who's the band? It's like, oh, it's a gospel group we got too. It's like, yeah, we want them too. God. So that's kind of like, you know, I, I know I'm probably, you know, yeah, yeah, making yeah. it, you know, but in in so many words, we got signed not playing gospel. We got signed to Sony not playing gospel. We were playing secular music for for another artist to end up getting a deal. That's they crazy. hadn't even seen the choir for a while. That's crazy. And we had a deal, so we working on life and so on and so forth. So my my relationship with Timberland kind of came to an end. Um, as GA, GA was kind of starting going. to like really pick up, and then once life came out, that was uh, it was like GA. We went through so much where we were singing churches because we were so radical that we would get in trouble. <laughs> like y'all, wild, and that ain't of God, and then right. we would get kicked out of churches and all kind of stuff. And then that life, then that that life came out. No way hit radio, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is a song that um, I co-wrote with Ty and and Spank and Thaddeus, and um, that joint just kind of created in a rehearsal. We was just sitting in a rehearsal. I'm playing my Triton Express League, yeah. And then the way we all work out and sound check is somebody initiates something, everybody jumps in, right, right. And then Ty like while the choir's getting on stage, like no way, you just kind of start rocking it, and it kind of formulated. Wow. But that was the first single that really took off, and for a long time we were known as the No Way, yeah, the No Way. I remember you know, when No that, Way people. I remember, the, the, yeah, the, the I remember dance. when that record came out, man. That when I remember hearing it on the radio, and was like, "Yo, who is this?" Because the vibe was just so different, yeah, than anything that mm-hmm. was like currently like on the market. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we had our conversations how Aaron and uh, Aaron Lindsay and Iz were like. Starting the convert, they started the conversation. Yeah, yeah. they they hit, they hit hard when they came out. You so they had they they started like is in Aaron 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 I'm called Aaron. Aaron. <laughs> it's, it's long day. Too many people. Aaron Lindsay. Right. It's too many people in gospel name Aaron <laughs> that do stuff. Uh, but Aaron Lindsay. It's been a long day too. Aaron <laughs> Lindsay uh, and is started a conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Then Ty Tribbett and GA came on and they started a conversation. In Spanish, you know, <laughs> it's like a whole nother language. Whole language. Yeah. Like, what in the world yeah. is this? Who are these guys? That was some crazy times, man. Yeah. I mean, man, and so I, you it's, so, it's, it's weird that it's so long ago. Yeah, it feels like it was yesterday. The right. way I remember everything, it feels like yesterday. So you got to tell the story about how the band actually got the name Soundcheck. I know it's I some know people. There's a couple different. Okay, a couple different variations. Yeah. I hear people, I've heard people in Soundcheck say different things about um, how Soundcheck formulated. So before I even came on, the band initially was Pudge, mm-hmm. uh, Terry, Dana, and Omar. Omar okay. started off with GA. Okay. He was the first organist. Dana was a, Dana was the means. Omar was the organist. It was a four-piece band. Omar leaves to go take a job um, with a, with Fort Memorial, mm-hmm. and it was a vacancy for a while. Um so you had just Dana and you know, different people 
jumped in, but it, it nothing stuck. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, when I first saw Jay, I'm like, that's my seat. I knew it. Wow. I knew it. I was like, how do I get there? How do we get connected? And then, of course, in that time period, that was like a two-year span, that's when Ty saw me playing that time, and then it all kind of came full circle. And um, so I got a part of the band. When I started playing, Pudge had went off to go to college mm-hmm. to play football. Um, Eric Tribbett is who I really came in with. Okay. So I met, excuse me, I met Eric Tribbett first, and then he kind of really helped nurture the connection between me and Ty. Even after Ty saw me, Eric was the one who stayed in contact with me. Okay. And he like, yo, bro, you belong with this band. Like, you were born to be with it. Like, it was like, so he really was very instrumental in me becoming a part of GA. Um, so me, Eric, you know, when I came on, there was another keyboard player by the name of Mike Williams. That's my dad's name. It is? He was, <laughs> I think it Mike from Commission too. Right, right. right. But Mike was. That's a popular name. So Mike, Mike. was an aux, right, he was an aux player. Okay. Mike did not play mains. Wow. He did not play piano. He did not play in it. He strictly played strings, bells, whistles, okay. lead sounds. Um, and he did it well. Yeah. That, I was like, yo, you don't play nothing else? Like, I, I wasn't used to it. So he was a strict aux, aux player. Dana would be on organ. Yeah. And it would be no mains player. It would just be an aux and an organist. Wow. Nobody on mains. So it was a, it was a vacancy. So um, <laughs> when when Ty saw me, I started kind of, I started coming around. Um, me, and then it was, so the band went through some dispensations. But I'll never forget at one point, we didn't have a drummer. Okay. Because everybody was like Pudge in school. I think Eric was probably out on tour. Um, but so we had to do this gig in at 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 a children's hospital in Philly. We were singing some maybe a Christmas event, something. And we were on stage playing and there's no drummer. Wow. And it's me, Terry, I think the horns, or just a horn maybe. And um the yeah. choir. So Ty made the audience clap to keep the beat. Okay. And we were playing and some I don't know what prompted Bones to go outside. Bones is one of the main tenors of GA. Okay. He went outside and he got him. He somehow found out that Spanky was out there. Okay. Just either driving by or something random. I'm like, huh? <laughs> Spanky comes running and jumps on the drums, and he never got off. Wow. It was like this is the perfect. Now I'm gonna be honest with you. When Spanky came on the band, we weren't necessarily everybody wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. used to his approach and, okay. and the way he played. Spanky was very, you know, time off time signatures mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. We used to Pudge, who's at. He would hammer Pocket. down. Yeah. You know, he played more like we always call Pudge the NPC. Wow. And um Spanky came in, he had a lot more tri- tricks and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So that was a it was a difference for us. And I, I had to adjust to it. Cause I was okay. I'm like, yo, me and Pudge is ride or die. Like right. me and him were the same age. Right. We were the babies. And so Spank came on, it was an adjustment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know him and Ty talking, and Ty was like, yo, you ride with me, I ride with you. And wow. then Spanky became the drummer. And so we started that band started meshing that we started like Ty would like make his music fit the pieces that were there. So okay. he would okay, he would create moments and moods based on the kind of stuff Spanky would play. So everybody, come on. Like he right, would do stuff right, with the rhythms. Right, right, right. And that really played to how Ty began to Develop. arrange, yeah. write, do stuff. And so our sounds started coming together. The way Soundcheck came together in name mm-hmm. as I perceived it. Um, we would do mad stuff in sound checks. Okay, ideas. We just shed. Okay, we didn't rehearse. Like the band, people always thought we rehearsed a lot. We didn't rehearse a lot. We was just together all the time. Yeah, 
we listen to music all the time. We would be listening to Yellow Jackets, Weather uh-huh. Report, Jay Dilla, Busta Rhymes, Bad Boys. Like we would listen to everything, and we always yo, that's crazy. Yeah. And then it would just come out live on a show, on a set. So we would be in sound checks, just doing some crazy idea. Thaddeus was always composing something. Uh-huh. He would be on that bass coming up with some crazy, whatever. And we would be like, oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Everybody would be adding to the pot. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. We'd be in sound checks going crazy, coming up with these ideas. And so Ty, from what I remember, okay. would be on stage and his signal word for us to play what we played in sound check was, sound check, to let us know to play. That's what I remember. Uh-huh. To let us know, play what you played in sound check. That's so And dope. it sounded like the name. Yeah. So I, I heard some people say, this person came up with the name, this person, um, yo, that should be our name. You know, whoever made it up, whatever. But I just remember it being a signal word. Yeah, that was what it was for you. Like, oh, play what you played in sound check, because we kept creating ideas in sound check, which yeah. was an amazing name. I thought that was incredible. Yeah, that was. And so it, it, it fit the aesthetic of what your you guys music was the yeah. it's fit the extended i mean and it, and it was like you said the signal that yo something's There's like the back something sign. crazy is about yeah to happen and you know bro see you're like sound check even when we were doing like we would do no way um uh no, way. I can make it out here. Uh, uh, I can't even tell the time for you want. No way. And then we get to that breakdown. Yeah. 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 Is this a breakdown that the choir's doing this? Right. Mm-hmm. Sound check. Help me out. Right. 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 That was a cue word. Sheesh. You know what I'm saying? So the name became. It was a to me. It was a cue. Yeah. And then it's just me, since somebody did have the right idea to say, yo, that should be the name. Uh-huh. But what I remember it being is a keyword for us to do something that we was doing in Soundcheck. Yeah. And it, it fit the aesthetic, though. It man. was, though. Man, when I say the stuff that the public has heard, <clears throat> they haven't heard what we really was doing. Yeah. Like what was published, uh-huh. produced, was very much tame compared to what we really the stuff like what you did on the road. I, I'm, if stuff. if GA and Soundcheck stayed together, we we had at least two three more albums in us, easy of material that never was made it out. Like I can almost like I can think of songs like yo that was a oh that was it never came out. These people never only people who was in the area yeah who really. saw us at Baltimore and saw us and then we would just be randomly pulling us and Ty. One thing I can say about Ty man. It's so important to have a front man who's fearless. Yeah. Like, I've, I've noticed in gospel music, one of the, like, you would see these different dynamics. Like, uh-huh. a great, you got a great front man, yeah. but the band is okay. Yeah. Background is okay. Or you would have some, the background singers is killing, the front right. man is a little weak, right. the band is okay. Right. Or you have a killer band, uh-huh. weak front man, dope background singers. No, in no. our case, you had dancing singers. You had an animated band and you had a, a fearless front man. So usually when a I band mean, is as aggressive as what, what we were, usually that intimidates a front man. Front man, like you got to dumb it down because no. it's getting in the way. Ty was a musician first. Yeah. So he was just as much sound check as we were. So he would encourage the crazy changes, licks, yeah. runs, time signatures, and yeah. he would just write to it. Jeez. There was gigs that we would do with Ty where he would be like, yo, the atmosphere is heavy in here. It's a, it's a heavy spirit. You're like, yo, sound check, go out there and play. Mm. Set the atmosphere, and then we're going to come out. Wow. What do you mean go out there and play? 
go out there and play something, break the atmosphere up, and wow. then we're going to come out. Not play what you rehearsed. Right, 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 right. Which you most likely we didn't rehearse. Right. It was like, go out there and play. Just and we, make for something up. For me, it, my anxiety was on a being like, what in the world does this mean? His brother was like, let's go. Right. And Spake, like, let's go. They, they all run out there, let's go. And, st- and we would create stuff on the spot. To those people, it, it was something that we rehearsed. Sheesh. It was, we literally just made it up. Sheesh. And then Ty would come up like, in the building, like the girl. he would come out there and do it. And we like, I grew to understand, like I was talking about growing those muscles. Yeah. It was those kind of pressured environments that I grew confidence yeah. and learned, this is where I live. We live here. Yeah. We create right yeah. here on the stage in front of audiences. Like, we create, there were songs that was made in front of audiences that, you know what I mean? So it was a very um, invigorating experience being a part of GA and Soundcheck. Yeah, it was, man. man, and it was my, those were my early adult years. So um, it I, Ty taught me a whole lot. He taught me um, creativity, most of all. Like, yeah. be creative, be open. There were times when Ty would come up to my keyboard and just turn it, switch the dial, and be like, I don't want to hear another Roots. I don't want to hear another piano. <laughs> play any sound. And he would turn to a sound and play that. It'd be, all, it'd be like, Ty, you don't know what that sound going to be. It'd be an accordion. Play the accordion. Wow. Create. Wow. And he would challenge us. He would challenge us, and it made me a much better musician. It taught me to think on my feet. It taught me to you know, to try things that I wouldn't normally try. Wow. Even if it made people look odd at first, like, what's yeah. that? Right. No, you're the one late to the party, not me. Right. Once you get the revelation of what I'm doing, you're going to love it. Jeez. And he was a beast at that. And... He was fearless and he taught me. And I was I was a very fearful person. Yeah. And he was a very fearless person. And he really instilled in me the ability to just, if God gives you a sound, you hear something, yeah. launch with it. And, wow. and trust that what you heard, they'll get it eventually. They may not get it right away. They'll get it. Mm-hmm. And so even to, you know, fast forward, that was, I, I left the group in, in 08. So it's been 20, 2020. It's been 12 years. Like, since I've been with the group, played with them. And I could still probably, if if we were to play today, I could do the gig without rehearsal. I could literally, I could mostly, mostly, I say I could do eighty five percent perfect yeah. gig. You know, that, if that, you know what I mean, like if it was just on without the rehearsal. And I'm, I'm sure most of those guys could too. So that's the end of part one. I'm gonna be dropping part two next week. So make sure you turn on notifications and like and comment and share this video. Uh, subscribe and all that good stuff so you'll be ready for the drop next week because Paris gets into some really intimate and really uh, deep struggles and things that he went through in his journey and you don't want to miss that. So make sure you have all of those things done. We'll talk to you guys on the next video. I'm out. Holla at your boy.